is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine, putting a cap on Michigan's season, which ended in the Sweet 16. Derek, the only positive thing I have to say about that game is that it was one of the earlier tips. It did not tip at, like, 10 p.m. or whatever the latest game was. It seems like that would have been the perfect fitting way for, for Michigan's season to end, like, given all the ridiculous 9 p.m. tips we had this season. But uh, the tip time was about the only positive thing I have to say, man. Yeah, it was, you know, we talked, what, two shows ago about, you know, kind of expecting to to cap the season and, you know, maybe assuming that loss would come to to Tennessee, if not even in the first round. And I feel blessed that we, you know, got another game of basketball, Michigan basketball. You know, we avoided the up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, they got the two wins in the row, but you know when they when they faced a solid, well coached, super sound, doesn't make a lot of mistakes Villanova team, uh, you know probably one of the hottest teams uh, in the country in in the last decade with the national championships they've won and just the runs they've made. You know really outside of Michigan and, and Gonzaga, um, you know there, there's not a whole lot of teams that have had as consistent success as Villanova, uh, and Villanova beats Michigan yet again, yet again in San Antonio. Uh, wasn't the game that you know fans and, and I'm sure even you know obviously coaches and players were hoping for, uh, but I do feel like Michigan you know gave a, a solid effort. Uh, they cut it within what four or so, pretty late. But you know when you get down to Villanova and, and you can't make baskets at the rim, uh, I think Michigan was like felt like ten for fifty. Uh, I think twelve in, of twenty nine. Yeah, so like my number was exaggerated, and yours I don't <laughs> think is, and they both sound you know yeah. equally as bad. Uh, hard to to win games that way. Hunter Dickinson put a lot on him. You know, I think he played really well. He he obviously didn't get a couple of those buckets to fall, uh, but he wasn't the only one who who wasn't able to convert in the paint and then they just looked like they had never practiced free throws all year oh my especially God. in the first half when i felt like they you know started like oh for six um those those things are uh you, you don't do those things well and it's going to be hard to win any basketball game you know that's the game where you you almost lose to northwestern at home in the middle of the season like the late 9 p.m tip i guess it wasn't a 9 p.m tip it felt like it was late because of how cold it was the the 7 p.m tip that i saw that's how you okay. lose a Northwestern game. That's definitely how you lose a game against Villanova in the Sweet 16. And I don't feel like it was their best effort. Uh, you know, maybe they gave it their all, but, you know, we've seen better basketball and had just seen better basketball the weekend prior to open up the tournament. So disappointing. Uh, but, yeah, at least we weren't staying up until 1245 to see the result be, you know. On a Thursday. Yep. I mean, man, when – when the schedule came out and it's like, okay, Michigan's playing Thursday, but you don't know the time yet. I mean, that was a stressful day or whatever. Just like sitting there thinking, oh, sweet Jesus, please don't let this be something crazy at nine, 10 o'clock at night or whatever. But uh, you're right. Like there is maybe a handful of teams. I feel like Michigan could have beaten that night playing the way they did missing so much at the rim um, the stat is like dunks and layups and I think that's a little misleading like you're not going through the layup line in the middle of a game um, it, it, like Villanova's defense does things to disrupt you even though they don't have 
that like standard shot blocking size they just disrupt shots and we saw that i think especially with hunter dickinson he missed some bunnies like as wide open as you can expect in your half court offense um but other than that like like they just they did a lot of things to make life difficult for michigan's offense which already um struggles on the whole it's not like like the the spurt in the second half against Colorado State and then and then what they did to um um Tennessee like like that was an anomaly that was that that was not the rule for Michigan's offense that was definitely the exception so you you add all that together and yeah you you have uh just the season sputtering to an end which is the thing we agreed like we definitely did not want to happen it was like okay you can you know you're Michigan like you've made your run you can go into the Sweet 16 and lose to Villanova, and you're not going to have a lot of shame in that. But we were like, please don't make it a clunker. Sure enough, it was a clunker. So, I mean, just a bitter, tough way to have a, the season end. Um, and, you know, the thing that, like, that gets me at the end of every Michigan season, uh, and it's not just, you know, related to basketball, but it's like, how many guys just played their last organized game of that sport at that you know, at some level and I'm you know churchly excluded like how many guys suited up for a high level competitive basketball game for the last time I, do you ever think about that yeah I do and, and you know even, even if it's just uh, at Michigan you know because the the transfer market's always so hot. Uh, the the guys that will declare for for the NBA draft, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things that I was specifically thinking about with Eli Brooks. You know, he was asked kind of after the Tennessee win, is it you know is he thinking about? It? He said it's at the back of his mind, uh, and and he you know he played uh, you know okay. Uh, I think again Hunter Dickinson played okay, and you know I, I think a lot of people will look at it as a clunker because of the way they lost. But like you said, Villanova just played really well and I don't like to put a lot of things on the players but Villanova made Michigan very uncomfortable and you know the reason they lost is because they weren't able to make those bunnies for some reason they weren't able to knock down their free throws I'm feel you know somewhat happy that it wasn't a blowout or even what happened the last time they played Villanova where you know one guy is going off and you just know from the beginning that it's over you know they had enough fight that it felt like if they could finally convert on some of the things that they weren't able to do in the first half, things would be different. It just never, never happened that way. So a lot of credit to Villanova that, you know, they've made a lot of teams look uncomfortable in the tournament, including Ohio State that has the potential to have a really good offensive of uh, game. And I think they'll continue to to make teams, you know, uncomfortable. And even, even now being in the final four, I, I don't think they're going to be an easy out for anybody at this point. But, you know, back to, to – to kind of your question you know I, I think of Eli Brooks in that game when you're down uh when it's looking like you know things aren't going your way and, and it's going to be a tough ask to pull back in it like what's that what are your mentals like in that situation for a guy like him uh Devontae Jones who's you know already uh declare that he's gonna you know test out NBA waters um you know what, what what's he thinking in those moments and you know it's just a, it's a lot to think about uh but on both sides of the ball 
you know, there's guys that may be potentially playing their last game of organized basketball ever. The team that wins gets another shot to play some more games. The team that loses, there's a lot of question marks heading into the offseason. So, yeah, always top of mind, uh, football, basketball. Uh, I think that's kind of what you do as a fan, especially of a specific team. Do you have a team you're going to pull for now in the Final Four? I mean, would you like to see Villanova maybe do it? Or, I don't know, I know Duke-UNC is like the game we're all excited about, but do you have a team in there? I don't really have a team. You know, the I had a Gonzaga-Arizona matchup uh, predicted. Um, you know, that obviously Me didn't too. happen. Yeah, they lost wow. the same weekend. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm always been a guy that's, you know, if you're going to lose to a team, lose to the champ. Uh, you know, it doesn't make it any easier to lose to Georgia. But, you know, a little bit nice that they beat Alabama. You know, they, they got through Michigan the way they did because they wanted a shot at Alabama. You know, they won a national championship. Uh, Villanova wins a national championship this year. You know, that's twice uh, in the last four years that, you know, Michigan's lost to the champion and just run into a team that has, you know, maybe the best coach in all of college basketball. So I guess I'll go Villanova on that side. And I'm kind of torn between Duke, UNC. I think the, the story's kind of writing itself for Coach K. You know, if he needs to go out with a championship, so be it. You know, he'll be gone forever. He can ride off into the sunset. But the way North Carolina's played uh, with also, a, you know, a new coach, uh, a guy who, who's looking to prove himself in Hubert Davis, uh, you know, former player at two high levels, uh, UNC included, uh, the way they've played as an eight seed uh, and, and almost, you know, lost to a Baylor after being up 25, I think it would be kind of, you know, uh, it'd be a, kind of fitting uh, for them to win and beat Duke and send <laughs> yeah. Coach K home uh, as well. You know, they've never met in the NCAA tournament, so I think that there's going to be a lot of interest in that game. Uh, that's crazy. That's that's a crazy isn't that, fact by itself. You know, here's 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 something that I I don't know that you'll know the answer. I certainly don't know the answer. Have Michigan and, and Michigan State met in the tournament? Um, I'm just going to say no, I guess. I, you, I I can think of, you know, they, they've played Ohio State in the tournament, uh, if you're going to look at a rival, um, you know, especially back in the, you know, the 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 Fab Five, you know. Do you days. not know the answer? For the Michigan-Michigan State? No, I just yeah. thought about it the oh, other day. <laughs> I thought this was like a... No, no, no. I, I thought about reveal. it the other day because I was so shocked that, you know, Duke and North Carolina had never met in a championship or a Final Four because you could definitely be in the same side of a bracket. And, you know, I could see that there were chances in years that they could have played and, and just, you know, one of the teams didn't make it to the Final Four. But for this to be the first time they've matched up, just thinking about how long Coach K has been there, you know, this is like his, you know, he's won tournament games in like five decades or something crazy like that. Uh, pretty wild. And, and, again, really fitting, you know, however that game goes, fine by me. Just hoping for more good basketball, I think, you know, every year uh, in the tournament. Uh, we, we get good games, so hopefully the final four games will be more of the same. I'm looking at Michigan's sports reference page, and they have an NCAA tournament matchup finder, and it does not look like Michigan has ever played Michigan State. Yeah, I you know, that's why I was saying like I was shocked that Duke and North Carolina hadn't, but then I thought to myself, wait, I can't think of a time, you know, especially in my lifetime where Michigan and Michigan State have met in the tournament. And so then I was like, maybe it's not all that surprising that, you know, two big rivals uh, wouldn't run into each other in the NCAAs. And Michigan played Ohio State once, 
1992, Michigan won that game 75-71 to 71 in yep. Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Yep. I love sports reference. I could spend all day That's on sports solid. Way to, way to pull like that up. up stuff. I like that. And so we're getting into that. Um, kind of sad, kind of exciting, though. Early part of the off season where guys are mulling those decisions. You know, what do I do? And you've got the added layer of the free COVID year that the NCAA is giving athletes. And um, so far, as of now, this is you know Wednesday evening. We only know about Devontae Jones uh, saying he's declaring for the draft. But even there, you know, the door is technically still open because there's um, the opportunity, you know, as long as he doesn't sign an agent to uh, just kind of test the waters, as they say, and then, you know, come back if he feels like he's getting that advice or, you know, however many uh, factors like weigh into that for each individual guy. But, you know, looking at this roster, uh, whether it's the draft or transfers or someone like Eli Brooks, who, you know, just playing like is running out of eligibility. Do you think we're in for a lot of attrition? Do you think we're in for something where, you know, three or four guys test those NBA waters, but eventually come back and it turns out, you know, no harm done to to the roster for next season like how do you see this playing out yeah this is a, a very interesting year because you have a lot of guys who have a lot of um talent um a couple of guys in caleb houston and musa diabate who you know maybe weren't uh you know i guess i guess caleb houston would would be uh, to you know the normal viewer's eyes or, or a fan maybe not considering his legitimate youth uh, and the fact that he you know should be a senior in high school um, you know he's a guy who you know came in so highly ranked uh, you know a top recruit in Michigan history um, that you know you you place such an expectation on a young guy like that uh, but still talented enough and, and can definitely be developed with his shot. Uh, with his size and the position he plays, that I'm sure NBA scouts are still drooling over a guy with with the potential that Caleb Houston has. Uh, Musa Diabate, you know, kind of came in with some hype, but you know, was considered a little bit more of a raw talent. You know, a bit of a project. You know, he had a couple of big games early. You know, one in, in uh, man, where they play Vegas, I think it was earlier in the year. They yeah, ended up getting so. blown out by by Arizona, but he had a big game. In the first matchup against UNLV, I believe it was, he had a 30-point game in the in conference play, uh, and he had moments where he shined, um, you know, elsewhere too. But overall, you know, kind of quiet, and especially in the tournament, uh, felt really out of his comfort zone. You know, had uh, really no ability to to be strong with the ball, keep his hands on the ball. Felt like even his hops, you know, were less. You know, dunks that he would usually easily be able to make in some games. It felt like he wasn't able to to get as high. Um, so you've got those two guys that, you know, all that to say, they are draftable players. And I am sure there are scouts and teams out there that are interested in those players. It just happens to be that there's, you know, only so many slots in the NBA draft. Uh, and there's a lot of good basketball players more than ever. There's more parity than ever. There's a lot of guys at smaller schools, you know, that maybe transferred from some of the bigger ones um, that are draft ready. So those are the guys that I think everyone has the most questions about, and I and I would lean towards, um, you know, them coming back because of the lack of productivity. 
But then you've got a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who's, you know, the the focal point of the offseason. If Hunter Dickinson returns, this Michigan team looks significantly different, not only in the amount of success they could have, but really what the lineup uh, will look like, uh, what holes they need to fill uh, across the board. Because, you know, you would assume if a Musa Diabate does come back, does he fill that center role? If he does fill the center role, that role looks so much different because the type of player he is. So, you know, I'm going to lean towards... Uh, you lose the guys like uh, Brandon Johns, uh, Adrian Nunez, uh, you know, guys who are seniors that have the option to return uh, but probably won't. Uh, you know, I think regardless, Devontae Jones, uh, though he may be not, you know, fully ineligible at this point, I think he'll be going. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I'd still lean towards Hunter Dickinson uh, pursuing the NBA only because of his age. He kind of came in as an older freshman but as of now I feel decently confident that Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston will come back though I think both will test the draft waters uh, and keep their eligibility and they both should like the way the NBA and the NCAA have set this up like yep. it it absolutely um, for for so many guys is the right thing to do because you don't have to 100% commit in either direction you can sway back and forth and that's that's great for those players. In terms of Hunter Dickinson, though, like the NBA, and I'm not breaking any news here, but like the NBA just doesn't have a lot of space for the traditional big man. And so he came back to Michigan and he developed a, a three-point shot. And it's not the most reliable thing in the world, but it's definitely there. Uh, he, he got a right hand and you may still want him to develop that a little more, but uh, just way better than what he looked like his freshman year. I think the thing that's still in his way is just overall athleticism. It was, uh, you know, pretty evident when teams wanted to isolate him and take advantage of him because I mean he's a he's a behemoth of a man. Like that's just how it is. Seven one two sixty is what I'm looking at right now. So uh, teams, you know, would pick their spots there. Uh, so defending in space and, and general athleticism, I think, is still kind of a knock against him uh, in terms of the NBA level. But, uh, yeah, I have, I have a really hard time just looking up and down at, at the list of guys who are legitimate NBA prospects and, and getting a feel for, like, not only, you know, what they might be thinking, because that's, for, you know, us especially, like, that's just a crapshoot. It's whatever. But, you know, like what parts of their game translate and especially man when you talk about Caleb Houston like one of maybe like the most frustrating player uh from start to finish for Michigan this season because of everything that you knew he had and that showed up from time to time but just wasn't there consistently uh but like you said NBA guys like they it, it doesn't take a basketball genius to understand that like Caleb Houston is is a good basketball player who is you know he had one uh up and down inconsistent college basketball season like this does not ruin his future prospects in the nba so i'll be i think most curious to see what happens with him um but i'm almost just as curious to see what ends up happening with hunter dickinson and then musa diabate uh I don't know. I I think he probably comes back. Um, 
he reminds me a little bit of like the predicament Hunter Dickinson was in last off season, where it's like you have a lot, but we need a couple more things that are going to translate to the NBA. One of those being a jumper. If he could develop a jump shot, and like next thing you know, you know that this next iteration of Michigan basketball features, God forbid, Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate, who are like knocking down threes not not volume shooters by any means but guys who can can stretch a defense and you've got five shooters on the floor like that would be really dangerous but uh, I overall I'm leaning toward it not being a tumultuous offseason in terms of of what the roster looks like and, and goes through but this is part of what happens when you rec- recruit you know good players and so it's definitely nothing to complain about no no way yeah, so it's early. You know, you have the Final Four and then the championship game early next week. You know, we're recording this uh, March 30th on a Wednesday evening. Um, but I do hope that some of these decisions happen sooner than later. Uh, again, you have guys who will test the waters and, and then maybe choose to come back. But you look at the, the transfer market and, you know, the allotted scholarships, um, really hard for when you have so many guys that could could not be making a decision it's not like michigan's in unique territory here there's a lot of you know teams that will face something similar because a lot of teams you know get great recruits that have the potential to be one and done but i do think the timing uh uh is always really unique for for basketball you know the, the draft is a ways away uh, obviously there's kind of a withdrawal date uh and then there's the fact that the season isn't fully over for college basketball though only a mere days away from being over so I think the timing will be interesting, but I think two players come to mind when I think of uh, the draft kind of every year now. Uh, I think of uh, the first player is Duncan Robinson. You know, Duncan Robinson had, uh, you know, quite a college story in general. Uh, You know, there were things that he showed in his game that were a little bit, you know, not just a shooter oriented, kind of like a Nick Stauskas, though Stauskas had a lot more of the, you know, driving ability when he was at Michigan. Duncan Robinson has found himself a great home in the NBA, and I don't think a lot of people, uh, you know, saw him leave Michigan and assumed that you know he would get the time, the minutes, and and hit the shots that he has. I think we all knew he was a capable shooter, but he's kind of turned into a great prospect. And you know, Caleb Houston is a more athletic, taller version of a Duncan Robinson who can stroke it, but can also probably you know compete at a higher level in some other areas too. And then my favorite one, especially with how he's been playing since the All-Star break, is Jordan Poole. People after Jordan Poole's sophomore year, really after a f- quiet freshman year, uh, you know, he hits a big shot, uh, kind of comes back, and, and at times was inconsistent, uh, and then bounced for the the draft. He gets drafted in the first round by the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, guys thought that that was a mistake. And, you know, it took a couple of years uh, for him to, to really settle in, but now he's you know, he's, he's literally one of the splash bros. You know, he's not Steph Curry. He's not Klay Thompson. He's not as talented as Draymond Green, but he's making a huge impact and scoring a lot of points in the NBA. And I think that's kind of the running joke now is, you know, guys, you know, said he wasn't ready to, to do yeah. that. So he may be more of a guy who took a chance, uh, did get drafted uh, and panned out, but you could easily decide to go pro, miss the draft, and, and still in two to three years find yourself having quite a good career. So... I think any player that has, you know, draft eligibility uh, on Michigan's team uh, has a chance to be a legitimate NBA prospect. I think Jawan Howard and his, and his uh, coaching staff does have a good ability to identify talent. 
I don't think we all saw it come to uh, come into place this year, you know, and I think there were ups and downs in general with this team and a lot of adversity that made it even more of a frustrating year. But I'll say two things, any guy, Hunter Dickinson, Musa Diabate and uh, Caleb Houston, I think they can have NBA careers. And I think all three of those players, if they come back, could look even better, if not a lot better uh, in a Michigan uniform with their ability to play. So, you know, either way, it seems like those guys are in good hands and, now it's all about the players at the end of the day. So uh, wish them well as they make those decisions. All right. Since Michigan ended the season on a high note in the NCAA tournament, uh, we should do the same for this show. So what from this season was your top moment? Top moment, you know, it's always hard because the season's so long. Uh, I guess top moment would be making it to the Sweet 16 for the fifth consecutive year. Uh, that's also the most recent moment. So I'd say outside of that, uh, big fan of Musa Diabate's 30-point game. Uh, just a big fan of him as a player and is hoping for big things for him. Uh, but overall, I'm going to go with uh, Hunter Dickinson. Uh, the way he played consistently, uh, the way he talked trash to opposing benches, you know, put up the, the two small. Game. The Michigan especially. State game, especially going for 33. <laughs> Um, you know, probably the best game of the season, best game in a while, especially from a single player. Uh, he was fun to watch. He, he talked his stuff, and, you know, more than not, he backed it up. And, and you know, he even got his jabs out in press conferences. So yeah. uh, if that was the last game we saw of Hunter Dickinson at Michigan, uh, maybe not the game he wanted to go out on, but he uh, had an incredible season, I think underrated nationally. Uh, especially with with how well he played, you know that'll happen when your your squad loses 14, 15 games. But yeah, you know I think Hunter Dickinson will will go out whether it's this year or, or in the future as a lot of people's you know uh, you know favorite players of, the, of Michigan's past. You know I think he's he's won a lot of Michigan fans' hearts over uh, and just played legitimately good basketball and, and obviously had a heck of a time doing it. So though there were good games like Michigan State and Tennessee. Uh, I'm going to go with Hunter Dickinson overall. He he brought joy and even some of the sadder <laughs> moments this yeah. season. You know, I my initial answer, the one that I had up until like 10 seconds ago was going to be watching Michigan beat Tennessee, being in the stadium, and like just that whole night, that whole experience was crazy. Um, but I'm actually, I'm going to stick with that game. But I'm going to say the reason it was my favorite moment from the season is because Devontae Jones got to play in his NCAA tournament game. And I was so nervous when it comes out that he's in concussion protocol and Michigan's an 11 seed, you know, playing against Colorado state. And it's like, what if Devontae Jones, you know, made this leap from uh, uh, the Ivy league to Michigan and, and he doesn't get his NCAA tournament appearance. Like that would see that would be so bitter. And that's I mean that's most of the reason I was happy that Michigan won the Colorado State game because I gave him a chance to play against Tennessee. And I know he didn't get to play in the second half, but he got that moment, like that NCAA tournament moment, uh, huge, <laughs> huge moment against Tennessee. And then you know got to play in a Sweet 16 game. Um, so I, I was just like so happy for him that that he got to do that through all the the stuff that happened this season and and you know a total fluke uh, catching an elbow in practice before the tournament like 
I was really happy that that he got to have his NCAA tournament moment. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, definitely special, you know, and I think that's part of the reason where I, I wouldn't expect him back. You know, there are a lot of ups and downs, and he got to that ultimate goal of, of playing in the NCAA tournament. It didn't look how he imagined it would with the injury and then even having to go out uh, in that game uh, as well. But, you know, uh, again, I think a good addition to this this team I think a lot of people probably weren't patient enough because we had such high expectations with uh, how Michigan's, you know, uh, you know, even the year before with Mike Smith, tra- uh, got a transfer, you know, grad guard. Mike Smith might have been the worst thing to happen to Devontae Jones. Honestly, probably, probably <laughs> accurate. And, you know, Devontae Jones wasn't any more inconsistent at the beginning of the season as any other player other than Hunter Dickinson. So, yep. you know, for some reason it felt like he had a shorter leash and, and what we were willing to – to accept in terms of his play, but you know that guy adjusted to a new level of basketball. Was a completely different point guard than Mike Smith, and and when he had to play big, uh, you know, late in the season, uh, he did so. You know, he was a big part of of helping Michigan make the NCAA tournament uh, in a season where it was questionable if they would or not. And yeah, for him to to kind of go out like he did, uh, probably not the way he expected, but you know, to get some tournament action and an a tournament win, it's got to be a pretty good way for him to to end his college career if that's what he chooses to do. Yeah. All right. I think we'll be off next week, but then, uh, I mean, there's, you know, more roster stuff, basketball coming. I'm sure NFL draft is getting closer. Uh, Saturday is the spring game. There's, there's going to be no shortage of things to talk about, at least in the, uh, somewhat near future. Then we'll get ourselves into the summer months. And then before you know it, it'll be football season. So, Uh, We'll see you in a couple weeks, most likely. Until then, take care and go blue. Go blue.